This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey guys, Jeremy here with Simple Little Life. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I apologize first and foremost that I have uh, I haven't been uploading many episodes in the last several weeks. I think I've missed three or four weeks. Uh, the reason for that is that the Christmas rush has been so busy. It was a, it was a gong show. It was absolutely insane. Um, we were doing six days a week, about fourteen hours a day. And that's that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> that's actually how much we were working. And that was, I don't know, it was a good hard six weeks. Um, at the end of it, my goodness, I was completely worn out. Um, it was funny because I had gotten my portion done, you know, the prepping all the wood and staining it all on a Tuesday night. I think I worked till like 11 o'clock that night. And then the next day, I spent six hours vacuuming my shop with the shop vac. Uh, that's actually like six hours of time the shop vac was on. There's so much dust. It was insane. And, and again, another testament to the fact that I need to get a better dust collection system. Uh, I'm looking at those right now, shopping around, seeing what else is out there. Uh, but it was funny because on the Wednesday when I was vacuuming, you know, I, I didn't have any like set deadlines. Uh, the way it would work is that, you know, my wife would give me a list of all the signs that she needs to do the next day. And then I just make sure I have all that wood prepared, machined, sanded, yada, yada, and stained. And so that's kind of what drove my schedule in the evenings. I would, I would head into the city, take these packages to the courier, and then we'd courier them down to the, to Montana and they'd ship from Montana and the USPS. And so I would get home at like six o'clock uh, we would have supper, and then I would go back out and do all my staining. Uh, every night I was working until about 9.30, between 9.30 and 11 o'clock, depending on the number of signs that I had to get out. And this Wednesday when I was cleaning up, again, no quota. I, I didn't have any actual, like, uh, a, a figure to meet. I didn't have, like, a deadline. And as I was working, I mean, I was still just hustling, working, you know. I wasn't, like, relaxing. But uh, I think the sense that I knew that I was done, man, my body, my body just started shutting down and it was unbelievable. By like five o'clock, I was like ready for bed and it probably took a good three or four days uh, to kind of recuperate and, and get back to normal. You know, it's funny. The last time, the only other times I ever remember working that hard was working at airports doing like one night tie-ins. So, you know, you've got your ticket counter where your luggage goes in and then it kind of goes behind the wall off into Never Never Land. And um, most often those will go, you know, to the baggage makeup room. And often we would work for airlines and they'd want new carousels at the bottom in, in the baggage rooms. And so we would install a new carousel and in one night we'd have to kind of reroute the conveyors that come from the ticket counter and divert them into uh, the new carousel. So we would have essentially like two, like one almost complete baggage carousel or baggage system of conveyors. And then in one night we would have to take away the old one and put in the new sections of conveyor that would do the final link up to the new system. And those were intense because, I mean, you'd have to wait till the last flights had gone out, uh, depending on the airport, you know, it was like nine or 10 at night. And then you had to be ready to go by like five o'clock in the morning. And I remember doing a job in Las Vegas 
and uh, we were doing a sortation system. So uh, we had these big barcode scanners and these high-speed diverters. And so as the, as the luggage was going down, uh, one of these array, it's a big array of barcode readers, would scan it. And if it was going to the East Coast, it would go to one carousel. If it's going to the West Coast, it would go to another carousel. This was for Southwest Airlines. And I... I think we, I ended up working like, it's like 49 hours I was working, like actually on the job site. And um, it, it was absolutely incredible. Our diverter wasn't working, so we are actually having to manually grab the bags off of the conveyor and then throw them down onto this carousel or let them go to uh, the East Coast carousel. And, you know, obviously it wasn't quite that intense doing this Christmas rush. But I, I noticed that, you know, for the first week, it was just exhausting. Like, I was just dog-tired every day. But your body kind of toughens up to it, I think. There's a certain sense where you can kind of feel everything get tight. And, like, two to three weeks into it, it's like, ah, oh, this kind of feels normal now. Like, working from 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, most days, I wouldn't I wouldn't have lunch. <laughs> I think I lost, like, eight pounds uh, just because I was working so much and not eating. I mean, I had breakfast and, and supper, but I would never have lunch. And you just kind of get used to it. And to the point, like week four and stuff into the, the Christmas rush, I was feeling great. You know, you, you just toughen up. And then when that pressure is gone, it, it just feels like your body just kind of undoes itself. It just kind of comes unraveled. And, oh, man, I tell you, this this Christmas holiday was just a wonderful, wonderful time. Um, we had a great Christmas. I hope you guys did as well. Uh, got spoiled rotten. Uh, my wife got me an Ibanez electric guitar. Uh, I have wanted an Ibanez for a long time. And uh, I haven't had an electric guitar probably for like 15 years. I've, I've got an acoustic. And I used to play the guitar like when I was a teenager. Um, I literally have played to my fingers have bled several times. But I probably spent eight hours a day when I was young. I just loved playing the guitar and so get back into it and my boys both play guitar and uh my wife was I, I didn't know what i wanted for christmas and my wife's like what do you want what do you want and i couldn't figure anything out um i'm a hard guy to buy things for because usually if i want something i just go get it but um i thought you know what i would love an electric guitar and so my wife got me one and i probably played like five hours on christmas day i'm so stoked uh she got me a nice orange amp as well and then my kids got me a chorus pedal so I'm kind of set up rocking some blues here and stuff. So I'm really excited about that. It's a wonderful distraction because it's a it's a creative outlet, but it's also very relaxing. You know, there's something about making music and the discipline to learning to make music. It's work, but it's also just so soothing. And so, you know, sometimes after a hard day in the garage, I just come in and wash my hands really well because I don't want to like dirty up my strings. Uh, but you just sit down for like a half hour and just play a couple licks on the guitar. It's very relaxing. It's wonderful. Uh, so what I thought I would do with this episode was maybe, you know, you know right now is uh, December 28th. And so Christmas has come and gone and we're heading into a new year. And, you know, this time of year, everybody that reflects on the year past, looks forward to the year to come. And my goodness, I mean, we're all sitting there looking back at 2020 and just shaking our heads, you know, what on earth, what on earth? <laughs> Nobody had any idea that this would be this way. And it's absolutely, it's unbelievable when you stop and think about the things that we have, that we have all gone through over the last 12 months, I guess, 10 months. It's just incredible. Um, our Christmas this year was quite different. Uh, we had a new, uh, 
set of lockdowns imposed on us here in Alberta. And so basically you weren't allowed to have any gatherings. Uh, you weren't allowed to have family over for Christmas. And uh, actually my parents usually come home for Christmas. They were always in Phoenix in the wintertime. And then they usually come back here, you know, two weeks before Christmas. And ever since, you know, we had our first child, um, we would get together at their place on Christmas Eve. So for the last 16 years, we've been doing this. And then uh, typically we'll do that. So my sister and myself and our families will go to my parents on Christmas Eve. Christmas Day every year, my parents fly back to Phoenix. And then we can do Christmas with the other side of families. And it was really odd um, this year. You know, every single year we go snowmobiling. Uh, and usually it just works out that that we get a big dump of snow right before Christmas. Same thing happened this year. We had some phenomenal snow, but uh, we didn't get together. And so we didn't go snowmobiling, and it was uh, kind of weird. We did the old FaceTime call, but <laughs> that that certainly doesn't, uh, it doesn't do the same thing. It doesn't really feel like it suffices. Um, but anyways... You have probably heard uh, Craig had decided to do a Makery Network drinking game. And uh, uh, one of the, the things that every time I say the word snow, you have to drink. And so I've said it once, twice now. And I'm going to say it a few more times. A uh, couple things that I've got that actually like very much pertain to snow. Uh, the first thing, I bought myself a nice Husqvarna snowblower. So there's another drink. Uh, the old one that I had was a Craftsman Drift Breaker. And the friction drive on it had gone and I, I checked, I've, I've spent hours trying to find parts, but this thing was like from the early 80s and uh, I'd kind of given up on it. Last year, we didn't, I didn't need it a whole lot. I'm, I'm trying not to say that word <laughs> so you don't have to drink too much, but uh, we didn't have a lot of uh, precipitation last year. And the few times that we did have it, I was like pushing this snowblower and uh, it was it was exhausting. It took me like three hours to to clear our driveways, like a 150 foot long driveway that we have. And I thought, you know what? Uh, some days I'd, I'd be ready to go to work, but we had a big dump of snow, and my wife's heading to town. And then I got to clear all that snow. And um, man, it took me like three hours sometimes, you know. But then I'd be come in, I'd be completely sweating. And I thought, you know what? This is this is enough. I'm I'm done with this. So I went out and got a decent, um, not a full on commercial grade. Uh, but I actually went to a, not like a Home Depot or a big box or something like that. I actually went to a, a dealer and picked out a nice one. It, it works great. I've actually had a few issues with it. Uh, I think when they assembled it, they didn't use long enough bolts. And there's supposed to be a nylock nut on there. And it ended up coming undone and a bracket fell. So I'm, I'm going to take it back tomorrow and say, listen, you guys need to fix this properly. I didn't spend good money uh, to be wrenching on, on this machine. So... I got that, and then also, super exciting, something I got about a month ago but hadn't had a chance to use, I got a fat bike. Uh, the particular fat bike is a Surly Moonlander, and if you've never heard of a fat bike before, uh, basically it's a bicycle with super wide tires. Uh, obviously larger rims, really wide rims, and the main reason that they make these bikes is to go on snow or sand. And... You know, a typical mountain bike is a 26-inch wheel or 27 and a half, 29 now are, are fairly common. But, you know, a wide tire is about 3 inches. And the bike that I have has 4.7-inch wide tires on it. It is just fantastic. Um, when I got it, uh, it was actually in Edmonton, which is like 3 hours away. And the gentleman said he could meet me in Red Deer, which is an hour and a half away from where I live. And 
Oh, is just so sweet. Uh, and he also was able to meet at like nine o'clock in the morning. So I could leave early, go there, get it, be back by 11 and back to work. So it wouldn't interfere too much with all of our Christmas rush. And so I picked this thing up and I literally, I, I drove it down the driveway and back and then I had to put it away and get back to work. And so that was one nice thing I've been enjoying now that our Christmas rush was over, uh, heading out and we got some snow. It's unbelievable. Like this thing goes through a foot of snow. Uh, you just drop the tire pressure down. You can go as low as like three PSI. And it's just such a huge, wide, fat footprint. You know, anybody that's into off-roading knows how that works, right? You drop the air down, so your tires kind of balloon out. You have more surface traction. You don't go down as deep. You don't sink down into soft soil or, or snow. And uh, this thing has been just so much fun. I'm absolutely thrilled about it. They don't actually make this bike anymore. Um, but this is... I've actively been trying to find the right deal on a fat bike for about five years, and I've wanted one for like 15. And so I ended up getting a smoking deal on this one. Uh, the guy that sold it to me, uh, and actually finding one large enough too, right? Um, I usually like a really large frame. There's tons of them in medium, but not a lot uh, that actually fit people my size. And uh, he had actually upgraded a bike, and the bike that he bought was a $7,000. I forget the exact model, but he paid over 7000 bucks for a bicycle and that's not an e-bike that there's no motor on it that's you do all the work oh wow that is uh that is some passion for the sport of fat biking uh but those two things have happened and i'm really excited about that um i haven't obviously been able to do podcasts or very many youtube videos uh i am working right now i was filming today on a new little knife build coming up but there's a little twist and it's something i've never done before something I've been asked a lot about. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it because uh, I, I think by the time this podcast comes out tomorrow, uh, I should be done filming for the whole thing. And then probably the next day this video will come out. Uh, I get asked all the time. People wonder if it's a good move to start, you know, say if they're just getting into knife making and maybe they've tried the file guide method, maybe not, but should I get a one by 30? And I can never answer that because I've never owned a one by 30. Uh, I started making knives with the file guide method. Not a file guide, just like the file method. Yeah, I guess it's a file guide. You have your file and you kind of take hose clamps and you clamp it to a big long rod and you have that rod going up into like a little eye bolt and so you can adjust your angle and it holds a consistent angle, right? A lot like these uh, fixed angle knife sharpeners. And so that's how I started making knives. And once I did a few blades like that and I realized that I love making knives, I actually went out and, and built a 2x72. Um, one of my earlier videos on my YouTube channel was, is a walkthrough of my two by 72. And, uh, I'm actually going to put that link in this new video that I have coming out. Uh, when I made that grinder, I wasn't actually doing YouTube at the time, so I don't have a build video. Uh, but I went and did a walkthrough kind of showing how I made everything, all the different parts and components and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I get that question a lot. Should I get a, a one by 30? And, I always kind of feel weird. It's like, I, I honestly just can't speak to that because I've never used a one by 30, but I, uh, I cut out a knife today, a simple design. I kind of designed a brand new little drawing, uh, cut the blade out. And this isn't going to be like a, a beginner's, uh, knife video. So I used my, my portable bandsaw to cut it out and I used my, my kiln to heat treat it. Uh, it's not necessarily going like back to the very basics, but what I wanted to do was just to show what it was like, uh, you know, as a guy coming from 
having like good 2x72 grinders. I've got two really great grinders and then going to a 1x30. And I'll tell you that I was absolutely amazed at how good that 1x30 worked. Like I was not expecting it. Uh, no, having said that, I'm certainly not going to switch to that. Uh, there's definitely a lot of, of pros to having a nice big grinder. But I actually got nice bevels. Uh, I used a bevel jig and it absolutely blew me away. I did not think it would happen this way. I thought I would end up with a pretty janky, terrible looking blade. Although I don't want to jinx it because I'm not done yet. I've just got the heat treating going on right now. I've got to do my temper cycles tonight. But um, yeah, I ground in the bevels on a 1x30. I profiled the whole thing on a 1x30. And uh, this, again, was a sponsored video with Princess Auto. So, you know, they gave me a bunch of gift cards. I went and uh, actually this morning picked up a 1x30. I, I tried to get a couple before Christmas, but they were always sold out. And so I saw that they had some in stock this morning, went and grabbed it just in the nick of time because I need to have this video done in December. And uh, wow, I think I think the bevels on this took me less than 10 minutes. And, you know, doing that, I kind of realized like, oh, wow, you can actually make a really nice knife. Uh, but I think the other thing too is that I've got experience grinding bevels previously. Um, I'm not sure how this would be freehand grinding. I, I think it would be difficult because the platen, well, I'm going to use air quotes, the little platen, it's just a little metal backer that goes halfway up the belt. Uh, it's only about like three inches high. And the work rest is so close that I think you'd have a hard time supporting the knife if you're freehand grinding. Um, but I went ahead and used the jig and I'm actually really, really impressed with it. Hopefully I can finish it up nicely tomorrow and then we'll get the video edited and put out for that. But it's kind of cool because, you know, a lot of people ask if it's a viable option and I've never really known. I've always kind of gone by what I've heard other people say, but I can honestly say that, yes, if you want to get into knife making, these things are great. I think this one was 149 bucks. Uh, that's Canadian pesos. Uh, I know you can get them for like $100 or less a lot of places. And uh, you can definitely make knives with a 1x30. You know, hear other people on other knife podcasts talking about it and saying, yeah, that's an option. You can get going at it. And it's one of these things until you do it yourself, you just you just don't know. And so I was really excited to give that a try. Uh, I got to figure out what to do with this thing now. I ended up buying, what did I get? Did some belts there. I got 12 60 grit belts. And then I bought nine 120 grit belts and the grinder came with one single 100 grit belt. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to try this 100 grit. And I used it and there's still a lot of life left. I was really surprised. The reason I bought 12 60 grit belts, because I didn't know how many I would go through just trying to rough in a bevel and a piece of 01. But I was actually really impressed. This 100 gritter still has a lot of life in it. And uh, man, you know, seeing that, I'm really glad I did this because... I can say with confidence that if you want to get into knife making, yes, a little one by 30 is an excellent start. Fantastic place to start. You can totally make a knife. Uh, big knives, probably not. I would say something four inch blade and under would be ideal. Obviously, you could modify it somewhat, maybe put a bigger work rest on. Uh, you could beef up the, the backing or the platen, even make a whole new one that went all the way up. Uh, but the one advantage of these ones too is that the little platen goes halfway and then the rest of the way, the, the top half to the top wheel, you've essentially got a slack belt. And so I plan on using that feature, even maybe taking off the little backing when I go to shape the handles. Uh, this one is one of those ones as well that has the one by 30 on one side and then a little, I don't know, I haven't measured it, like a six inch disc on the other. And I use that six inch disc to put like the 45 on, on the handle scales where it kind of meets the blade. 
And I was like, wow, this is actually really neat. It's got a tilting table. You set it at 45 degrees, run it up there, bada boom, bada bing. It's, I'm actually, actually amazed at how, how easy it has been to do this little knife build. So that'll be coming out soon. And then uh, for the, the January videos, I don't think it's going to be knife related. It's going to be a lot bigger of a project. It's going to take quite a bit of research, uh, but I'm excited to have that uh, come out in January. And then I should also have in the very beginning of the year another knife build. I've got the knife. I don't know. I say we're like 70% there. I've filmed the whole thing, and it's going to be kind of like a vlog build where I kind of quickly talk about the steps and then actually do it. Uh, so it's not just going to be a fast-forward video, and it's not going to be a voiceover. Kind of a little bit more like we're hanging out in my garage, and I'm kind of showing you what I'm doing. Um, yeah, so I, I guess kind of looking back, what I was thinking about uh, doing for this episode was like, you know, a quick look back at 2020, and then a look forward at 2021. I mean, I, uh, there's not a lot that could be said about 2020 that <laughs> we don't already think. It's just been, uh, it's been quite a wild ride. And uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if the, the switch over of the date is going <laughs> to necessarily change it. Uh, now there's like the new strain of the coronavirus. And uh, uh, it's, uh, I'm ready for it to be over. Um, uh, obviously, from my last episode, my last podcast I, I put up, you know, I, I don't feel, I don't feel very strongly what we're told we're supposed to feel. You know, I said in that episode, just drink the Kool-Aid. I think as long as you keep drinking it, they're just going to keep giving it to you. Um, that's not to say that, I mean, I do believe there's a virus, but my goodness, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, even for me, I'm, I have a greater chance of being struck by lightning, um, than to die of COVID-19. Uh, a stat came out, and the average age of death for COVID in Alberta was 83 since this pandemic. Uh, the average age of dying of old age in Alberta is 82. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of crazy. And, and I saw another stat that in Canada, of all the people that have died of COVID-19, there was only 168 that weren't already living in an extended care facility or a health care facility. Now that's not to say this isn't real, but you know, when, when this stuff was first happening and they were just shutting stuff down and everybody's like, Oh, what's going to happen? And then, you know, there's government, you know, assistance and support. You know, that's like, that that's the slightest little thing for what just happened. I, you know, I don't think anybody really thought about or, or maybe if they did, they just didn't care. Leaders certainly didn't think this through. But for what they did to the economy, it's not something you can just bounce back from. Uh, it's not something that's just going to be like, okay, once once the virus is gone, we all go back to work, it'll just come back. Um, <laughs> I think we are so far beyond that. Uh, there's irreversible consequences that we are we're going to realize if people haven't seen it already if they don't have the foresight to think about this stuff um absolutely amazing uh, it's a i think it's a an incredible time to be alive i mean we're quite frank with our children um you know i i tell them what i think and uh, that in a certain sense i think this is terrifying what's going on what governments are doing at the same time uh, i don't know what i can do about it uh, I have my eyes wide open. I can think for myself. 
And uh, I'm pretty sure 95% of the people on earth can't. They want the government to tell them what they should do. And they create, you know, they create these financial situations where, okay, now they rely on assistance from the government. And essentially, when you kind of look at it, there's been this situation created where people have to rely on the government. And that's very, very scary. Again, I said in my previous podcast, if you don't study history, this stuff probably is like, oh, whatever. Yeah, this is great. But if you if you studied history, this stuff will absolutely terrify you, in my opinion. But I guess that's kind of look back at 2020 in a certain sense. I mean, I definitely hope for better in 21. But I'm... It's kind of like a blind hope that, you know what, boy, it'd be nice if things got better. Uh, frankly, I don't know if I'm I'm counting on it, though. Um, I think a lot of people are in pretty bad situations. Uh, financially, I think they're probably hurting, which is, it's really sad. Um, those, it's so funny because you talk to certain people. You know, we were at, the, I was at our LHQ for the Air Cadets, and I had to let the some contractors in because they were putting in new doors and new windows. And so I asked him, I said, so how's this stuff affected your business? And he's like a general contractor. He does commercial and residential buildings. And he said, I feel terrible to say this, but man, this has been one of our best years ever, <laughs> you know? And anybody in the service and hospitality in- industries, I mean, they're the exact opposite. And it's just, it seemed, I mean, life's not fair, right? It, it never has been, never will be. But this whole uh, 2020 has been so uneven to people, so unfair. You know, you got the restaurant industry, the service industry, who have been doing a great job. You know, you look at the restaurant scene over the last 10 years, and I think the industry itself has done a great job to, to bring it to its mainstream, right? Like good food, the, the term foodies. And they've done a great job at innovating and, and making themselves known, setting themselves apart you know, famous restaurants, famous chefs, and it's so mainstream now, to no fault of their own, boom, it's done. You know, it'd be something different if restaurant owners and chefs just cooked terrible food to the point that people stopped going to eat it because it's like, it's not worth my money. And everybody just started to cook at home, right? That'd be down them. That'd be kind of their own fault. But I think the opposite's been true. They've done such a good job at at bringing a passion of food and and creating these amazing dishes and turning it into this thing that's it's not just eating, right? It's, it's an experience. It's something that's like, wow, you remember this meal and this chef could be known for what he's done and for no fault of their own, boom, they're done. And then you look at other other people, a lot, a lot of people in the, the blue-collar trades have been phenomenally busy, house builders, uh, maybe not building new houses, but renovations, um, home improvement stores. <laughs> this has been like the most amazing year for them in a long time. And then there's people like myself who, uh, you know, I make things with my hand. I, I thought the pandemic would definitely slow things down. And I still think it, it hasn't caught up. I think the effects of what's happened hasn't caught up. So I'm definitely not planning on things continuing this way. But, man, I have had the best year I've ever had and with with my knives. Uh, to the point, I mean, I had to shut down my webpage because I was, I was selling too many knives. I'm still doing the last few blades that I've ordered since the start of the pandemic. And uh, same thing with my wife's Etsy. I mean, this has by far been the most incredible year, it, way better than I would have ever imagined. And I feel very grateful and very blessed. And at the same time, it's a very weird feeling because I know... 
I mean, I know people that are hurting, you know, financially. This this was like burned up all their savings or they just lost their job, right? What do you do then? A little bit of a government assistance isn't the same thing. So it's just been a, I mean, I'm saying the same thing everybody else does. This year has been a real schmozzle. I really do hope uh, for more in the future. And uh, I think in a certain sense, you know, I was really thinking in the beginning of this pandemic that it would kind of bring people closer. And I haven't seen that yet. Um, There's a lot of divisiveness. You know, if you don't think one thing about something, then you're evil. Um, And there's a lot of emotions charged up in this. You know, when you start convincing people that they're not safe, you know, obviously they have a right to be like, I'm protecting myself, you know, and, uh, you know, we've seen it all. It's been a very tumultuous year um, uh, for all sorts of different things, right? Politics, it's been it's been a terrible political year, um, you know, ra- racial problems that we have and stuff like that. Man, it's, you know, just for the certain sense that this all started in 2020, I I agree. It will be nice to close the books on 2020 and just be like, good riddance. Adios. See you later. No, we won't. <laughs> Never want to see you again. Um, but I also think that um, the the changing of the, the day on a calendar doesn't, doesn't change necessarily a lot. And the things that have been done those consequences have not been paid yet, in my opinion. Anyways, this podcast really took a downward spiral, went uh, went kind of dark for a bit, but um, a few things I would like to follow up on, uh, not like, like little things, we're going to kind of totally get trivial again, we're not going to think about the big big questions and big problems. Uh, I, I'd mentioned a few episodes ago about these Dickies pants that I started to wear. And uh, I think these are the, what are the, the 874, the original Dickies pants. And I bought some and I tried them out and I absolutely love them. They are my favorite pair of pants to wear. My wife my wife doesn't like me going out in them because I look like a, I don't know, maintenance man or something like that. But man, they're comfortable. They are tough. And it makes me wonder why I ever stopped wearing them. I started wearing them, I think, when I was working in L.A. You know, I was in Burbank for quite a few years, and that's kind of like the scene there, right? If you're into the motorbikes, the hot rods, you got the dickies, and uh, I wore them then, and, and for some reason, I stopped. I think maybe it was when I kind of transitioned into an office job <laughs> when you probably wouldn't want to come to the office and go to meetings wearing dickies. Uh, but I'm so glad that I found them again. And uh, one little note, if you're ever thinking about getting them, uh, be very particular about the sizing. I had mentioned previously, like when I buy a pair of Levi's jeans, I'm a size uh, 32 waist, 36 length. And when I buy Dickies, I finally got a pair that was properly sized. I'm a 38 waist and a 34 length. But the one thing I did notice about the length is that uh, the, the portion from the top of the belt to the crotch um, they si- that size changes depending on the length. So it's not just the length of the leg part that grows. It's that entire thing. Uh, so the first ones that I bought, I, I finally thought, okay, I need a, a 38 waist. So I got a 38 by 36 and um, way too long. Now, my wife hemmed them up for me, but <laughs> the, the bottom of the crotch is like halfway to my knees. And so I ordered another pair. This pair was gray instead of the traditional like blue. 
and I ordered a 3832. And those ones fit perfect, and I lay them one on top of the other, and you can actually see those portions change. Uh, so just think about that. Uh, if you order it on Amazon, you can just send it back to get the right size. But uh, if you think, oh, I'm just going to get something a little bit long in the leg, and then I'll hem them, uh, it's going to be a completely different fit uh, than if you just get the proper leg length. But So those have been great. Uh, I said previously in an episode I'd follow up on that, so that is that. And then... Uh, the other thing that I was trying to do, and I mentioned it in my last episode, was I was trying to organize everything in my life via the iPad. You know, can I have one place where I can schedule things, I can take notes, I can, you know, write down phone conversations, yada, yada, yada. And uh, it has been an absolute game changer for me. You know, if I have communications with a client, I'm still using Evernote. And uh, there's a free version, there's a paid version. I'm still on the free version. I think I'm about to max out like my storage capacity. Uh, excuse me. Sorry, I just had a hiccup and I didn't want to hiccup into the microphone. Um, and so this is working great. Like, you know, going back and forth or working on a knife build, I can just drag like the email communications. I can even just sentences of it so that when I look at it, you know, say I'm going to start on a new knife project. I'm like, okay, this is for this person. What was it again? Okay, this was the steel. Uh, this was the color of the scale material and some specifics that the customer had wanted. Boom, I have all that right there. I'm not like searching around different notebooks or scrolling through a whole bunch of emails and stuff like that. And so it has been just fantastic. I absolutely hugely wildly fan you know it's one of these things you see people like i remember when the palm pilots first came out some of you may have no clue what that is but the palm pilot was kind of like the uh the original little scheduler electronic scheduling device and my uncle got a palm pilot and he used this thing religiously uh like he didn't do anything that wasn't on his palm pilot and I think there's a certain sense where if you want to really maximize that technology, you need to like jump in the deep end, right? You need to fully commit to a certain process. And I think that has been my problem uh, previously, like different types of notebooks, organization systems to uh, whatever, trying to do some stuff on an iPad or a digital organization tool. I would never fully commit to either one of them. And so when I tried this fully committing to using like Evernote on an iPad, uh, it's nice because cross iPad on any computer, I can pull up those notes. They all synchronize via the cloud. And now that I have fully gone all in on it, it is just a complete game changer. Uh, I mean, if I'm making a phone call and I need information, like one thing we're dealing with some insurance because somebody hit the back of our vehicle. Well, every time I make a phone call or I receive a phone call, I quickly open up my Evernote and I just type the conversation. Yet da, 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 and I've got all that information right there. Next time a phone call comes up, I open it and I've got our entire conversation history, uh, some key points, you know, insurance numbers, all this stuff. It's all right in one spot. So it's been absolutely fantastic. And I liked it so much that I actually picked up uh, the new iPad Air. And uh, I can see why some people have successfully ditched like their laptops for the iPad. It is amazing. Pardon me. I had another hiccup. Um, it is so fast and uh, I got the magic keyboard with it. And so it acts like a laptop. It even has the trackpad. Uh, you can still touch the screen and, you know, if you want to use it as a, a tablet, you just grab it and pull it off the, uh, the magic keyboard, right? It's just like held in place via magnets. And then you can also do a lot of things like 
plug in an external hard drive. There's some workarounds you, you have to do, but you can get that to work. And it's so cool. Um, I'm actually going to edit this podcast on my iPad, I think, because I can just put my AirPods in, go upstairs, you know, sit on the couch, yada, yada. I don't have to be stuck at my laptop. And uh, it's just so, so handy. Uh, I had mentioned it last podcast. I said give an update. So that is the update. Um, I do believe, I believe they're a great system, but I think to really maximize on their potential, you have to really fully commit to them. But that's going to be pretty much it. I wanted to get an episode in before the end of the year, and uh, I've got a new idea for uh, a podcast, or a show style for this podcast, and I'm going to be playing with that. It's going to be a little bit more involved. It's not just going to be like me going into my little studio and hitting the record button. Uh, It's going to take a little work. Uh, It should be quite a bit of work, but I think it could be very interesting. So uh, I'm going to toy around with that idea a little bit, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. I wish you all a very, very wonderful New Year's. I hope you guys, again, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, I hope it was a good time. I know there's a lot of different uh, gathering styles and you maybe didn't get together with family like you normally do. Uh, But at the same time, you know what? It's not a bad thing to just have a little bit more of a quiet Christmas. And that's definitely what it was for us. And with the circumstances... You know, we, we kind of saw what was happening. We thought, well, you know what? We could be upset about it and whine and snivel and cry about it, or we could embrace it and just say, you know what? This is going to be good. This is just going to be us. We're not going anywhere at Christmas. It's going to be our little family. And it kind of opened up some extra freedoms, you know, just, just the ha- having to like, okay, we got to bring this out and we got to bring this pie and then get all the presents loaded up and drive there and blah, blah. You know, all that, uh, and it's, it's not anxiety, but all that pressure and the, uh, the rush and the hubbub of the holidays, we had none of that this year. Uh, we were managed to get almost all of our shopping done well in advance. And it was kind of like when, when Christmas came, it's kind of like, okay, cool, it's here. And we just got to let it let it ride and let it happen. And, and it was very, very relaxing. It was probably the most relaxing Christmas that I've ever had. And so there you go. That's a little silver lining. Um regardless of you know how things changed it's not always it's not always for the worst so hopefully you guys had a wonderful christmas as well and into the new year i wish you guys a wonderful year um i'll just quickly kind of talk about what goals i might have uh, for the coming new year uh project wise i need to get a mezzanine built and uh, i'm gonna do that over like a quarter of my garage, I think. Basically just some extra storage and then a place to put a dust collector permanently so I'm not moving it around. And uh, so that is one project I want for 2021, a good dust collection system, like rigid piping installed on the walls, uh, maybe a few drops from the ceiling for different tools that I use in my garage. You know, when I bring the van out of there and I need the whole other side to be working on wood projects, uh, I'd like to get that done. I want to do more forging this year. I didn't get a lot of chance to uh, forge in 2020, but I would definitely want to make it more of a priority for this coming year. And then obviously this this one won't be that hard. I mean, I, mean, I say that, <laughs> but get more uh, content out on Simple Little Life for 2021. Uh, I guess when you look back at 2020, I really didn't do all that much. So in a certain sense, I've got a low bar <laughs> to go to, especially compared to previous years, right? I mean... Um, I think I'm close. I don't know if it, I haven't checked recently, but I got to be close to like 600 videos on YouTube and not a lot of them were in the last year. You know, previous years I, I did really well, 
Um, I think I actually did like 62 or 64 days consecutively once. Um, but I want to get some more content out. And big thing I'd like to do is to really push myself with, I guess, with this last year, most all of my knife, all of my knife orders were blades that I had previously made. And when you're just doing what you've already done, well, now you're looking at different ways, uh, different possible systems to more efficiently do that. But you're not necessarily challenging your fine skill set. You're not building or adding on to your skill set. You know, it's kind of like a dichotomy. Like you could make the exact same knife the exact same way and you're really not going to grow at all. Now, if you have a whole bunch of the same knife to make, you could do that, but then look for little tiny improvements in your process. And to that end, you know, that skill set of efficiency, you're really flexing that muscle. You're working on that part of the process. And I've gotten fairly good at that. I've gotten a lot of good systems in place, even things like jigs or simple ways to do that, like a better way to wrap my foil pouches, Um, little improvements. But then you go to the other side and the actual raw skills, like what's a really challenging knife grind that I've never tried? Or, you know, even even I, I think about it, it's like making a dagger with a fuller in it, right? I've, I've done a dagger before and it came out nice, but I've only ever done one. And when you make a dagger and you want both sides of that bevel to be exactly the same and on both sides of the knife, you essentially have four bevels that you need to bring together, and they need to be uniform and consistent. That's a different skill set than just grinding a small EDC knife. So little things like that are things that I'm really looking forward to uh, pushing myself, uh, pushing myself on, and, and you know, getting out of a comfort zone. Because I've literally spent 2020 entirely inside of my comfort zone <laughs> as far as knife making goes. And so 2021, I want to push myself outside of that. And anytime you do that you risk failure. Um, but that's fine, right? You kind of, it's been weird because I haven't had a lot of failures this year, but it's because I haven't pushed myself. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, and even if I have to get into some really crazy, I don't necessarily want to say like fantasy knife, cause that's a little bit too far in that direction, but knives that I've never tried before. And that would take painstaking concentration. And I would have to literally like harness the best of whatever skills that I have just to be able to execute that. So that's what I really want to push myself for in 2021. Uh, maybe swords, right? Maybe that's making long swords with with big fullers in them and, you know, even complicated, you know, multifaceted grind profiles, all kinds of stuff. There's so many things when I start thinking about what I could do, even more recurved knives, right? Like the recurve grind is a challenging one. I've only done it a handful of times. Um, what was the one I did? I originally called it the Swig. Oh, the Persian fighter. You know, that, that was a very challenging grind the first time I did it. And then the second time, and I've only ever done it twice. And I'm kind of like, people say, oh yeah, you can do that grind really well. I kind of think I've done it well two times, but I don't know if I can do it really well. I don't know if I could do it a third time uh, because every time I do it, I'm not comfortable and I'm just barely hoping that it works, like hanging on by the skin of my teeth, like, come on, please work, please work, please work. And so I want to get to the point where it's like, yo, you know what? We're going to make five of these suckers. We're going to cement the skills that are required. We're just going to get that locked in so that that is literally a, a tool in my tool bag that I know I can go grab at any time. I don't know that about a recurve grind, a large recurve grind. I've sneaked them out twice, 
But if somebody said, hey, I want you to do this and this and this, I'm like, I'll try. I want to go beyond that. I'll try. I want to be like, yeah, I can do that. And the only way you get there is by pushing yourself. So if you are a maker, you know, I challenge you this year, try to think of a couple projects that could really stretch your skill set, really push you out of your comfort zone. And the nice thing when you think about stuff like that, you go into it saying, well, this is tough. I might fail, but at least I'm going to try. You know, it's worse when you've got a very mundane routine task that you've done hundreds of times and all of a sudden you wreck it somehow. You don't pay attention or you just some silly thing. It's like, why on earth did I wreck this? I've done this a dozen. I've done this hundreds of times. That's a real disappointment. Uh, if you try something really difficult that pushes you and you fail, it's kind of like, ah, well, chances are you just come out of that with like, I know exactly where I went wrong. And the next time I'm going to change this about it. And it's not, it's not that same, like, seriously, how could I be so stupid? It's like, no, I was trying so hard. This was so difficult to do. And I almost pulled it off. Great. Let's go at it again. This next time we're going to get it. And that's what I love about pushing myself. And I'm going to do that this year. I challenge you to do that this year. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the goal for the year. And I hope you guys have an excellent one. Uh, Not too much drinking going on. I didn't say snow, 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 snow too many times. But uh, thank you so much to Craig for putting this all together. Uh, Tell the other shows in the Makery. A lot of good audio content. And uh, it's so nice. And I I do feel really terrible for not pumping out some shows because I know that, you know, the certain days of the week, I know this show's coming out and I look forward to it. And like clockwork, they're all there for the most part. You know, I can rely on them and I have not been (laughs) that reliable source of uh, entertainment while you're working away, you're driving, commuting, whatever it is you do. Uh, I'm going to work on being more consistent on that in the new year as well. Well, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. A happy new year to you. And we will see you in 2021. Cheers. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.